Hey there. This episode originally aired on my Patreon many months ago, so some of the information might be a little bit outdated by now. If you'd like to check out episodes as soon as they come out, you can join my $3 tier over there, or you can subscribe to check out full episodes coming here eventually. Either way, the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pat's Creative Podcast, episode four, hopefully, if all things go according to plan. Uh, Today, I'm joined by a very special guest uh, known as Lorenzo. He has been a creator on YouTube as well as other platforms for a very long time now. Uh, I discovered him back in 2015, I think, or so. Uh, I've been watching him since, and I'm very glad to have him on the show. Lorenzo, would you care to kind of introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Lorenzo Desicara. I'm a Canadian musician and producer. Um, I also do videography, photography, graphic design, web development, web development. So tend to do a lot of things these days. Um, I primarily create music and, uh, also do some content creation on YouTube as well. Um, I used to focus a lot more on content creation, but these days I've been doing a lot more music, um, focusing on growing on digital music platforms like Spotify. I just look at YouTube now as one of the many avenues that I release on, um, I recently uh, soft relaunched my channel starting over after a three-year hiatus because I did go back to school and I moved cross-country, so that's going to take a big chunk out of my life. Um, But yeah, what I'm mainly focusing on is um, I actually did move in with my girlfriend, Julia Henderson, who's also a musician. Um, So we've been working on a lot of uh, Persona 5 music specifically, and we've got enough songs that we're pretty much gearing towards an album now. We're just going to keep that momentum going. Some of you may already know me as Zirachi, though, because I did cut my teeth doing game reviews and top 10s uh, years ago from, I would say, about like 2012 to 2015 around that period. But I don't really do that anymore. Um, but if you are curious to see that kind of content, you'll if you've checked my channel, you might notice that all those videos are actually down. But I've opened up a back door where you can view some of that um, if you just go to the playlist section of my channel, you'll be able to see some of that right there. But otherwise, I've pretty much retired that content. Right. Now, it's worth mentioning, um, I was introduced to uh, Lorenzo, or at the time known as Zirachi, through that particular content. So I kind of feel like this is a good um, jumping point, if you will. Uh, yeah. Would you care to talk about what some of the thought, what your thought process was when changing your channel name and rebranding and kind of heading towards a different direction on YouTube in general? Yeah, for sure. So... I guess starting with the game reviews and top 10s themselves, that kind of content, or I originally did not even plan to do long-term, like even as like much as like three videos. Because here's what happened. I started my channel in 2012 just for fun with the original intention of just doing a few videos and that's it. But when I made, I believe it was my third video, um, top 10 SNES video games, that video just blew up because uh, it was actually Jimmy Wetzel and uh, Balrog that discovered my channel. And this was back when YouTube likes actually worked. (laughs) They liked my video and it sent my video to all of their subscribers. And my channel blew up from literally, literally 10 subscribers to 800. Right. I remember a span of like a day. Yeah. They had a system to where all of your liked videos would appear on your channel page. Right. So I felt like liking videos was like a big network, bigger than it is now. Yeah, like back then, like it would just send it to everyone's front page. That's always the first thing you huh. saw was like what other creators would like. That's crazy. So, 
I didn't even so know that. The, I, I just, I always, yeah. like, I saw, I would discover a lot of people through, like, likes page on the actual channel. I didn't realize they would recommend it specifically because another creator liked that. That's definitely not something that happens these days. At least I, I doubt it. Yeah, so big channels had a lot of power back then. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I discovered so many channels, and like you said, around that kind of community with, with Balrog and Jimmy Wetzel and stuff like that, just through, like, finding the mm -hmm. like videos on people's specific channels. Nowadays, when you leave a like, it pretty much, it just, uh, a number appears on the video, which is cool, uh, but it's buried in some playlist that no one would probably search through that gets like thousands and thousands of videos, you know? Uh, yeah. It's definitely not the same effect as it used to. Um, Kirdu, would you like to explain a little bit as to like the, the change to your actual name specifically and kind of your uh, move towards... I mean, you still do have gaming involvement, right? You yeah. still do work a little bit with game music, but you could explain just where your direction is right now with regards to music. Yeah, sure. So going with the name, um, after three years and starting to think about coming back to my channel, I completely felt a big disconnect with the name Zarachi because it didn't feel like me anymore. I didn't connect to that version of myself anymore. Not to mention, I'm 31 now. I don't know why I want to continue using a name that I came up with when I was playing World of Warcraft. So there's also that. Also in the world of music, um, typically, it's fine if you go under an alias, but typically you're taken a bit more seriously if you just use your name instead of... Right. You know, meeting other musicians being like, hey, I'm Zirachi, hey. Right. Like, ultimately... When I use my own name, there's a lot more accountability that ties into that, too. So if I put something out, I better be really proud of what I put out. Like, it can't be something that's just half-baked. Right. And do you feel I like, got, I, yeah, with, with like, Zerachi, it kind of felt like because you're under this alias, uh, you're not only more confined to, like, gaming stuff uh, or whatever you built your brand off of, but do you also feel like, um, like, uh, you almost couldn't fully express yourself because you weren't branding yourself as yourself thus yeah. feeling like your their deepest of projects or whatnot you just couldn't really associate with the zarachi name yeah that was that was the biggest thing i even felt while i was still making game reviews and top tens i felt a little like creatively trapped if you know what i mean because mm -hmm. um there there was as as I was creating more and more content, I started to get more of a desire to create music a lot more. But I was kind of scared to integrate that con that content into my channel because that's not what a lot of people subscribed for. So, right. So I felt like I was kind of forced to continue creating game reviews and top tens, even when I reached the point where I fell in love, out of love, uh, out of creating that content. Sure, of course. Do you feel like at the time? Uh, that sort of more gaming centric top tens and stuff like that. Do you feel like that was kind of performing better than original music as well? Or do you think original music yeah. also had a pretty big standing? Yeah, especially in the gaming field, like those top tens and game reviews really reached out to a lot of people back then. Right. So if, if anything, like doing music on its own would just be more of like a passion project than something to get views. And that's another thing that I kind of want to tie into. It's like, I definitely learned that I shouldn't be creating content for the views because that I definitely am guilty of doing that for a lot of those videos. And because I did that, a lot of those like aged like milk. Right. 
and it, it, it probably is just creatively draining too. You know, if I feel like whenever, I mean, I, whenever I, I create for like a mindset other than like, I want to make something good that I enjoy or whatnot, I find that I burn out on the project much quicker yeah. than otherwise. Uh, right now with this podcast, this is a little bit of a passion project for me because most of the things I talk about just with friends in general is creative things and being able to share that with all the, the people watching it's um, it's like combining two different worlds. And I've, I've felt a crazy amount of ambition and dedication that has not like left since the first day I started doing this. Um, mm-hmm. But I've definitely like been in that kind of trap before where I do worry about branding again, my channel is like smaller scale. So like the stakes are a little bit differently. Um, yeah. Whether or not I upload uh, myself making a sandwich or uh, make it a full on movie doesn't <laughs> change, you know, numbers per se as much. anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I can't say that I felt the exact same thing, but definitely creating for reasons other than just personal growth or whatnot. It, it, it affects your mindset so positively when making, like it feels like you have more of a purpose when creating mm-hmm. and whatnot. And a lot of other creators can contest this. You know, you see interviews and podcasts all the time of other people saying the exact same thing you said, where it's just like, I got caught in this trap of like, I have to upload what people want or whatnot. And then ultimately, yeah. you know, you find that you enjoy creating less. Um, mm-hmm. And nowadays, uh, in particular, do you feel like uh, those kind of videos that you originally make it, do you think that those uh, are now like, I, I feel like I've been seeing less and less of those kind of videos nowadays because, you know, YouTube trends just change like all the time. Yeah. Um, and because you've been on the scene for so long, a question I wanted to ask is just like, uh, how do you in general feel about like the different trends that change, not just in what the um, audiences want to see, but also in what creators want to make or whatnot? Do you feel mm-hmm. like the disconnect between what audience, audiences want and what creators want to make has been getting like bigger over time on YouTube? Or do you think it's just just the ratio just keeps changing? Or, um, I think it's really just there is change happening all the time with what people want to watch right. and what people want to make. Um, the only thing that you can do from a creator point of view is just to be be able to adapt. That's the biggest thing because nobody, as a creator, is able to do a hundred percent what they want to do on an online platform. That's just a that's just the brutal truth to it. Right. There's always some sort of compromise that has to happen. Yeah. Compromising. I, I guess at what point do you, what extent do you feel like you have to agree with the the system and let some of your creative um, direction like slide a little bit? Like, do you feel like you're doing that less nowadays, but also to what extent do you feel that basically? Um, not too much these days. If, because um. Here's the good thing about online content creation now. There's so many different platforms that you can create for now. Like nothing's just tied to YouTube anymore like it used to be back in the day, right? Like right. you also you also have Twitter, you also have Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok even though I haven't really done that. But. And with music specifically, there are tons of different streaming sites nowadays, you know, back oh, yeah. in the day, uh, I think, you know, around when you started, I don't think Spotify was really a thing yet, right? Yeah, that, that was definitely not really a thing. If anything, the big giant there was iTunes. Right. So I, the, there's more and more opportunities opening up and you feel like now you can kind of create what you really want to create without any worry about um, specifically trying to beat algorithms or whatnot or, or reaching mm-hmm. trends and whatnot? Oh, yeah. Just the power of digital music distribution today is massive. Like, I feel like there's... N- almost no barriers you know to to try and like breach anymore 
like the only thing that I can think of in terms of that is just licensing for some some covers because there are some hurdles that you have to jump over. Not a lot of artists, especially in other countries, release their stuff officially in North America. So there's a bunch of red tape involving that. So right now, um, so you recent, relatively recent as the time of recording this. I'm not entirely sure when you guys are watching this, but. Uh, you recently released an album, correct? Or worked on an album? Can you explain exactly who's behind that, that album? Or who's um, worked on it? I'm, try- it's, I'm trying to think because I'm honestly involved in so many different projects. Okay, um, gotcha. The only album that I did kind of unofficially release by myself was a, a VGM album. Just I just I solely released through Bandcamp. Uh, it was just like a bu- it's just like a compilation of like my first a bunch of VGM covers. Uh, but what I am actually planning to do is that I even tested the grounds recently with a couple singles. Um, I'm probably going to be release re-releasing all of the licensable tracks um, as a bigger album through like Spotify and iTunes officially so that, you know, I can have those. So all the ro- right royalties can be paid to the uh, official uh, composers there because that's the kind of gray area that you have to deal with if you're doing a VGM covers. If you decide to, you know, if you're just starting out and you decide to do covers, um, the thing that you have to realize is that doing an un- releasing an unlicensed unlicensable video game song is actually illegal. But you'll find that there's a lot of video game composers out there that encourage covers at the same time. So, yeah. It's kind of similar to just using gameplay and YouTube videos in general, yeah. right? The the whole debacle of like, it is created by someone else, but I'm using it to create something else. So at what point is it transformative? Um, yeah. Do you find that like uh, in, in your music experience, do you find that you've run into more problems with um, things outside, of, like licensing outside of video games? Or with do you think you run into more problems with video games specifically? I would say video games more specifically because... Um... Yeah, it gets really strange when it comes to licensing for video games, especially because there's a lot of um, video game creators and developers that come from different countries. So there's different laws in those different countries, right? right so right. that's where it gets really complicated. And I guess like a lot of a lot of uh, uh, mainstream artists, they will have music and then they'll have the record label, and that's two entities you deal with. But with video games, you know, you have the composer, yeah. but that's all published for a specific game, which is owned by a specific publisher and whatnot. Right. So I can imagine just the licensing gets crazy, especially when so many songs uh, or so many pieces on in video games or remixes or covers of previous pieces in the series or whatnot. So I can mm-hmm. imagine it's just an entire minefield of um, things you have to jump through in order to get it like fully, fully legit and licensed and whatnot. So you said you're exactly. planning on re-releasing some as full licensed in a, like an album. And that, yeah. That's kind of like a, uh, something you want to work towards. Yeah, exactly. Um, most mostly just to finally get my music out there on digital platforms, but also to do the right thing and make sure the right people are paid. Sure, because I mean, the, the, I mean, you know, those composers make amazing pieces. You know, you, you definitely don't do it from ill will to to do covers. Yeah, of it. Um, yeah. That's yeah. why, like, even with the um, VGM album that I did put out there, I put it out there for free, like because I didn't want to put something out that i didn't create myself or compose myself and make money from it right so right yeah but even then it's just i still want to do the right thing there but um yeah that's it's also making me think uh about my involvement with creating other vgm music for other albums as well because um 
speaking of albums, like I have appeared on multiple compilation albums, specifically um, by Gamelark Records. I was in a couple. So I was on a, a Sonic-themed album called uh, Supersonic uh, by Gamelark. So I, I had a Sonic R song on there. And I also did a Mog's mixtape, which was a Final Fantasy album. I also have a song on that. Now, recently, uh, I think I think where I got confused with the album is that uh, I think like about a month ago, maybe two months ago, you released a, um, a single f- uh, that you linked an album to in the description. And I was mm. wondering about that album specifically, like uh, what your involvement was. Was that just one one vi- uh, piece that you were working on for the album or? Uh, yeah, you must be talking about the. So the most recent one that I was involved with is uh, Cry of the Planet. But, right. Uh, yes. It's uh, Game Grooves. So. Game Grooves contacted me uh, if I wanted to do a song for charity. And um, I actually already was working on a song at the time that seemed to fit in with the theme already. So I figured, hey, why not? They want a really fast turnaround time. So I'll just go for it. That so, was perfect time. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah so it, that, speaking of Final Fantasy, that was another Final Fantasy song that I pitched in for that album. So that, was, that, was, that one was a lot of fun to do and good, for a good cause, too. So for all sides, I think we were all pretty happy there. That's good. It, did it feel nice to kind of go back to like uh, filming yourself while doing it and, and set up the different camera angles and the lights and stuff like that? Did it kind of feel like a time warp a bit or have you just kind of become desensitized to it? Oh, yeah, I've, I've definitely become desensitized to it <laughs> okay. because, yeah, because um, even though it doesn't seem like it, I, I make a ton of videos. Mm-hmm. I especially I've even like if I think about it, I've been doing it for the past year. I've been doing all the video like well not all of it i would say 95 percent of the video for uh julia henderson so i've been doing i've been doing like all the planning all the filming all the editing of her videos too so i've been like low-key working on other channels as well gotcha gotcha now when it comes to um like so obviously uh making music is very different from like making videos or whatnot what are some of your like favorite aspects of both art forms and like ones that like like do do you I imagine that you more fancy music creation, but are there certain things about like videography that you wish kind of transferred towards music or whatnot? Like what are some of your favorite or least favorite aspects of those? If anything, I, I feel like there's, I don't really feel restricted in terms of videography and also making music. Like I view those two as two separate um, platforms for my creativity Mm -hmm. because there's so many different sides of me. So it's, it's good to be able to get, both of those out there um in terms of video what i the least the the thing that i least enjoy doing is the amount of work and time it takes to set up a shot yeah definitely yeah especially um because i i took a film class in school when when i was there for a couple years um i learned i learned a few tips and tricks and like all these like different shots so it's it's kind it's kind of a kick in the back to me because now that i know all these cool shots it's like i can't not do them so it right just adds a lot more time to the filming yeah. times which 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 i don't enjoy when it takes so much time but it's just i have to just like stick through it because i know it's going to be worth it when by the time i reach the editing stage yeah and anytime you you don't do it and then you see it later you're going to start feeling it and that's what you're going to think about every time you see that video you know you start thinking about yeah. like man i should have put the camera there instead of there i should have tweaked the light a little bit even the yeah. we were uh like 20 minutes or so late to this particular interview because i was busy setting up just the simplest of things like a backdrop a microphone and a light or whatnot if i yeah. had no access to these things or no experience in how to use them 
I would have just done it in like pitch darkness and the interview would have started immediately on time or whatnot and it would have looked awful. But um, yeah. you know, just but the, it's it's worth it to take the, that extra little bit of time just definitely. to make everything look good. Yeah, yeah. And there's obviously an extent uh to which you go, right? At some point yeah. you have to understand that like no project is ever gonna be completely perfect. You can't yeah. you know, it would take it would take all of your lifetime to make it a completely perfect project. So you have to see some corners and say, Hey, that part is not as necessary mm-hmm. as this part or whatnot. Um, yeah, at some point, the law of diminishing returns is going to kick in. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and that's something we talk a lot about on this podcast is just um, understanding uh, practicality and kind of bounding your art by it. Uh, so that way you don't uh, just reach for the stars that you never hit, you know. Um, yeah. That's not to say you shouldn't be ambitious, but obviously you need to have your projects bound by reality. Reality yeah. is what's most concrete in anything. So um, mm-hmm. we talk about that quite a bit. Um, one thing I'd like to ask is because uh, with your uh, music creating albums and licensing and whatnot, in general, you probably end up working with a lot of other musicians. Um, and hmm. even if it's not for your song specifically, there's a lot of collaboration going on in your art field. Uh, how do you feel collaboration affects the music field specifically as a, opposed to maybe other art forms? Like, do you feel like it has certain hindrances you wish once there? Or do you feel like there's certain strengths that you don't find in other art forms? Like with collaboration in general in the music art form with music specifically being able to communicate to another musician is definitely a challenge that I wasn't ready for when I was starting out with that because I'm not exactly a formally trained musician even though I have taken some classes I even have a certificate from Berkeley from doing online studies I, my brain just naturally doesn't think theory first. I've always done everything by ear. So even, there's some good things and bad things to that because I can pick up something immediately if I hear it. But at the same time, I'm not able to regurgitate that information to someone else. So there can right. be a bit of challenge of communicate, communicating that to other musicians, which is what I learned really quickly. Of course. So I definitely had to, like, it's still an ongoing process today. Like, I'm, I still have to keep picking up on the way music other musicians like communicate ideas to each other and just like roll with the punches there because for, for the most part as a musician it's it doesn't seem like it but i really don't know what i'm doing yeah well it's like working with two different languages right like yeah. um if someone who uh goes entirely uh off of the senses or whatnot by hearing or like even with cooking you know some people go entirely off of tasting or mm-hmm. looking and stuff like that exactly. um, and then there's another person who might have studied for a long time and learned this whole other kind of language both people can might might be able to make the exact same product but just communicating it over can be difficult i know i i have a i have a friend who um i when it, my process of of art creation is very much verbal i i very much explain everything in detail i i try to mm-hmm. come up with um specific vocabulary words and whatnot and i try to explain things very clearly that way um what i found though is that a lot of other people i've worked with or encountered don't work exactly the same way a lot of them is just like okay let me like let me look at it okay let me tweak that that's better and it's like well i could have spent a long time trying to uh, figure out verbally or process exactly how it's gonna be better it's just it's just Mm -hmm. interesting to see how people work differently um and i've run into a lot of like uh not creative problems. That's a little bit harsh of a word, but every kind of like bump in the road uh, with another creator is oftentimes just being able to communicate the same idea to each other, but we're both communicating yeah. it differently. Uh, it's always interesting to see how artists uh, work that way. 
But I know mm-hmm. with music specifically, uh, at least I imagine, I'm not a musician myself, so I don't want to pretend to know too much. But from what I imagine uh, with music, it can be very difficult to also um, just communicate and work out specific parts of the song because, you know, songs are supposed to be one continuous thing. Um, do you, mm-hmm. Have you had trouble with like specifically having maybe an instrumentalist do something or a vocalist do something when it's just not feeling like very cohesive between the song and or between your both your pieces or whatnot? Um, yeah, that that's something that definitely happens like for throughout like any collaborative process. It doesn't really have to happen with music. Right. Um, it's just a matter of being able to communicate this, communicate like anything that doesn't that's anything that stands out strangely just being like hey this part of the song sounds weird it's like or i'm not hearing this right in this specific part because of this you just have to be able to communicate that and then just work towards a solution together right like maybe they have a side of the story to it. it's like i did this because i thought it sounded good right or i did this because some music theory explanation that i can't understand but, <laughs> right which happens sometimes but but you just have to make a decision from there. Either give the benefit of the doubt or just say like, hey, let's try something else. And if it doesn't work, we'll just go with this anyway. So gotcha. that at least we know that we gave it a shot. Right. And and do you do you have like, um, are there like, a, is there a project that ultimately fell through just through like either bad communication or uh, creative differences or whatnot with regards to collaborations? And then do you also have like a project that you always think of like, wow, that that's one of the best creative collaborations i've done like do you do you you have basically projects that fall through because of collaboration basically um not exactly the only reason why collaborations would have fallen through for me was just scheduling really just like not being not being able to work out enough time to work on it like i've even had to like drop offers because it didn't line up with my work schedule right sure yeah so um do you think ultimately like you you've had a good experience with um finding people and i mean i I imagine a big part of it is just asking the right people too i mean yeah sometimes you might see some red flags of like okay we creatively wouldn't work very well together uh so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna steer a different direction and that probably is a big reason for why so many groups are successful right because you understand who you're talking to and whatnot Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. and uh and uh when it comes to good collaborations too, like there's definitely some that like I still look back on and I'm just like, wow, that was just really solid. Like, like even though we've done a lot of music together, um, my favorites collaboration to this day is still um, this. Fi- it's a end of all Fire Emblem Fates cover that Julia and I did. Like for me, that still like hits right on the money. Um, runner up would have to be um i think it was an ace attorney song oh yeah professor professor layton versus ace attorney cover that i did with austin eruption because that was my first time mixing like properly mixing live drums and especially in uh you know in online music creation you don't really get that opportunity because not not a lot of people have a living situation where they can even have a drum set in so just to have that opportunity was a lot of fun that's great and um so do you do you find that you have a preference towards either original music over covers like is there one that you actually prefer doing so the way that i see it now i used to really hate doing covers like i was creatively stubborn where everything always had to come from me and 
nobody else because otherwise it wouldn't be a true reflection of me. But I started looking at it from a different angle because essentially what I see covers as is like a way of connecting with others because people are searching out for their favorite games or favorite artists and they might accidentally stumble onto a cover, for instance, and they might click it and they might end up liking. So I just view it as a form of like umbrella content that helps like find an audience for myself. Sure. Because if I just stubbornly stick to creating my own music time after time, it kind of goes back to that analogy. If a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it's did it actually happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, art, the the whole point of art is that it's communication. It's dialogue between Mm -hmm. the artist and the audience. And if there is no audience, it's no longer communication. So if you're Mm -hmm. making art specifically, for no one to see, then are mm-hmm. you actually making art? Because if it's, yeah. if, are you, I mean, I don't know. I, I think a debate could be made either way, but um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely something you got to keep in mind there. Um, with, with, uh, with regards to you originally not liking video game covers, do you feel like you were more sour to it because you felt like you kind of had to do it in order to keep up with the algorithm and stuff like that? And then once you made your change to doing both original and, video game stuff did you feel like oh it's not so bad like do you feel like that had a shift in your perspective just the fact that you kind of had to you felt like you were a little bit more chained to it just trying to think back to when i started doing it so this is what happened i i don't know how i stumbled onto it so i stumbled onto um i'm not sure if you're familiar with this artist but uh josiah um he does uh okay video... yes yes i do know just yeah he, do- he does a lot of uh, video game covers he recently released an album of original music as well um but yeah i stumbled upon uh his channel and i was just bl- i was just blown away by like the musicianship and like the amount of fun he seemed to be having and just everything about like his music the it, it was conveyed through the music too like everything just felt so genuine and that just connected to me and that in itself, like, inspired me to, like, spark that idea. It was like, maybe I should give this a shot. And then I believe it was, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the SGC conventions where I finally met him. Like, Which year? Just, I don't remember what year. Uh, I, don't I went know if to it was like, SGC in 2015, I think. Oh, that was a fun convention. I was at that one, yeah. Oh, my Wait, gosh. It was, it, I might yeah. actually have an autograph from you in my hat because I was going around with the hat, like getting <laughs> a lot of people's autographs. But like, there were so many people there that I honestly, oh, just, ev- everyone was everyone there. Everyone was there. It was a good convention. If- and then next year, they're like, they canned it. They're like, no more SGC. Yeah. I'm like, what? I had so much fun. That um, sucks because I feel like out of every convention that I went to, that was the convention. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, I haven't been to very many, but um, out of ones I've just seen online or whatnot, like that one felt like, like when I saw that one, I was like, okay, that's the kind of convention I want to go to. And then after it was gone, I never really saw like heard of any that had that scratched the same itch. Like mm-hmm. uh, that one was very much enjoyable. Yeah, that was that was um an exciting day for me. I met so many creators and it was a darn good time. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I don't mean to go too much on SGC, but uh, it's very possible I have a signature from you then on my on my hat. Like I said, there's so many people though. I just it was so long ago I can't remember all the people I got, but. Uh, very, very good day. Anyway, uh, sorry, I didn't yeah. need to derail. Go ahead, continue. No, that's okay. So just thinking back. So now it wasn't 2015 that I first met Josiah. I, it might have been 2014, I believe. I think t- I was also at 2013, but yeah, I didn't. I wasn't even into VGM music at that time or like doing covers. That wasn't even a thing in my head back then. So it- yeah, it must have been 2014. Um, 
So yeah, I met Josiah Everhart. So yeah, for those who's listening who's not familiar with him, um, out of everyone that I've met, I I even met like YouTubers who were like large, like meeting like PBG, like JonTron, and all that. The completionist. I was not as nervous as I was as meeting Josiah, Josiah. because that's how much his like content like you know connected to me because like. Because that kind of rekindled like my love for like making music as well, because that's something that I put on the back burner because I right. spent so long on music and I got burnt out on it and reached a point that I didn't want to do it again. So th- that was just all pushed in the closet. But it, w- it was that that kind of sparked that idea right. back into me. And then I I don't remember what year it was. It might have been just 2014 again. Um I went to MAGFest for the first time and um, saw Josiah there again. And I also met um, Amy Waters there. Um, At the time, I didn't know she was a musician, but I discovered that after the fact. And I I saw her videos as well. And I was just like, okay, this is just amazing. This videography, like amazing videography combined with like great music as well. I'm like, I got to do this too. Like so that, that, that for me was just like the final, like, okay, I got to try this final nudge in the right direction. Yeah. Do, do you feel that like conventions just ultimately had a big impact on your creative mindset? Like, did you find yourself a lot more inspired just meeting all the creators and stuff? Oh yeah, that's for sure. Like it just like, it just created going to conventions just created so much of like an emotional connection to yeah, what I do because sure. like when i started doing it i i never knew any, i never knew anyone that did the same thing as me so being able to travel and meet people who do the same thing that just like sparks so much inspiration absolutely now obviously conventions are a little bit on a hold right now and i i feel like that might kind of be a good segue this is a question i'd kind of like to ask as many interviewers uh, interviewees as possible um during everything that's been going on in 2020 have you felt that's made you more creatively inspired or creatively drained and this is mainly for my own inquiry, just because every creator I talk to says something different. Um, there seems to be people on all ends of the spectrum. So I'm, I'm curious how 2020 has affected you creatively. Um, creatively, honestly, I'm fine. Um, because um, I think it's because I'm naturally ext- like an extreme introvert, especially when it comes to like my creative side. So just like being on my own for a long period of time doesn't really bother me to that extent in terms of creating stuff. Uh, but in terms of like, you know, obviously on a social standpoint, I'm really bored. Of course. course, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, um, it's interesting because I, I know like when all this thing started happening, some of the people I talked to just completely stopped creatively for like several months just because Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe, you know, some people probably work better with like a more positive mindset. I kind of find that when things seem a little bit more down in the dumps, um, that usually makes me create a little bit more and I get a little bit more into the creation side. And then things start yeah. going good. That's when I start like being a little bit less consistent and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've since gotten a pretty good handle at just maintaining consistency in general. But yeah, uh, I just do find it interesting how like everybody reacts a little bit differently. Do you feel that you've been like consuming more art than usual because of 2020 though? Like, do you find yourself more connected to what other people are creating these days uh, out of like necessity? Or have you, as you been ultimately spending less time consuming art or whatnot and, and focusing on other areas to spend your time on. Yeah, that's the strange thing about these times because I've find I've been finding myself less and less consuming 
all these different types of content and art right. where like on paper that seems like the the right like the na the natural thing to do because right. i have all this time but i'm finding more and more that i'm just spending all this time creating music and working on music very just like totally honing in and using tunnel vision on on the music that itself right which is something that i've never really felt so i'm just kind of like writing this creative momentum right now and this is the, the most momentum you felt in in your career or like in, oh yeah because i have nothing else to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's, it's it is interesting how that works because uh um, yeah i definitely know people who also have just suddenly suddenly have become experts in so many art fields just through watching other people's things and, and critiquing them and stuff like that and now their brain works completely differently just because they've consumed so much um, and then mm -hmm. there's other people who just like, like you just go straight to the creative block and just keep on hammering things out uh, yeah. because they feel like, what else am I going to do? Right. Um, and there's also, I've, I've noticed some people, some creators who have taken this as an opportunity to explore other parts of their lives, you know, uh, try to mm -hmm. figure out, um, figure out more about their personalities or something or, or work more on health and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. so it's just interesting seeing how different creators react. And that's why I'd like to bring it up uh, in, in future podcasts as well. Cause I, I think, because everybody kind of treats it differently, it's important so that they hear other people's perspectives, you know, um, so they can also understand that other people might be feeling the same way as them. You know, they are, are very yeah. uh, strange times. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, I just speaking wanted... of which, yeah, yeah like the one thing that I realized with this pandemic and it's it's been kind of hammering at me for a while. The one the most valuable thing that anyone can have as a creator is time. And Definitely. that can be really hard to find sometimes depending on like whatever life circumstances that you have or like, you know, the work that you have. But when all this time is presented to you on a plate, on a silver platter, you got to figure out where you want to use that right. because you can't like, just ignore it. There's no more excuse. You have to do something exactly. with that time. And it's kind of like food too. It's like, it's going to expire eventually. So it's like, yeah, you have to you have to portion wisely it's like food. I like that. I love yeah. I love analogies like that. I say them all the time. I get weird looks. Well, everything for always ties back into food for me. I love food. <laughs> food is the core of everything, ultimately. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I um, I totally agree, though. Like uh, it, it, it you you feel some sense of responsibility to yeah. further your creative endeavors when you have something like this. If, if you're not working or you're not going to school or something like that, um, you know, coming up, I'm going to start doing both. So it's. I'm trying to like get as much done as I can coming out. And even like you said, like uh, the reason we scheduled this, this time is because you feel like you're going to get a little bit more busy as the months go on and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, but it's important fellas, make sure you stay healthy, use your time wisely, obviously, and then wear a mask. Uh, that'd probably be good. Uh, so, yeah. but we're going to move on from the, from the doom and gloom, uh, given your like many years on the, on the YouTube platform or digital uh, art creation in general. Um, is there something you kind of wish you knew going in that you later then learned just through like trial and error. Like if there's something you could tell yourself when you first started, what do you think would be like the most important information to say? Now, obviously, um, as so much of art is just learning and um, you can't expect that even one person telling you something is going to change your entire outlook. But if there's something you kind of wish you had a grasp on early on, what, what would that be? First thing that immediately jumped to my mind always take advantage of momentum because that is lost really quickly. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, like if you, if you let it just go away, uh, it's going to be a long time until you find it again. What I find is that when I'm, when I'm very much inspired to work on something, 
Um, I'll keep on working on it. Sometimes I'll work on it a little too much, which you got to be careful about, you know, because you don't want to overwork. Because if you do overwork, then you will lose it even quicker, you know. Um, exactly. But what I have found too, though, is that the inspiration, while it does go away, I feel like it can almost always be found again. It, it does take time, yeah. though, you know. Um, but yeah. if you're not utilizing the momentum, if you're not acting on the inspiration, it's going to go away and it's going to be much more difficult to find it again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's just something we always circle back to on this podcast. It's just um, like understanding uh, understanding that ambition takes dedication as well. Ambition takes motivation. Yeah. You cannot just strive on just being inspired to do something. Inspiration yeah. does not drive the, the car for you, you know? It really does not. You almost have to look at it as another job. Sometimes right. you just have to you just have to show up for your shift and just do yep, it. Definitely. Because even if you don't want to, because at the end of the day, like you're gonna be grateful that you put in that work because Absolutely. that's that's keeping the wheel turning. Yeah. It's very interesting using like the comparison of a job in, in art, right? Because a lot of people mm-hmm. make the distinction between the two. Like yeah. art is not work or whatnot. Like art is me time while work is their time or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting as creators like yourself who, who uh, financially gain from their art or whatnot. Um, do you feel that financially gaining from your art has changed your look on it at all or if you found it just to be mostly the same because you've been able to keep like keep seeing it as something that's just fun to do or whatnot yeah for me it's something that's just still fun to do if anything any sort of financial gain no matter how little or big it is is just a bonus to me because the way i've always kind of viewed content creation or just making music in general is just i've always it's always something that i've done for fun any attempt that I've made to try and make it my main gig has never worked out because as soon as it just becomes, you know, like my main focus and like my main job, the amount of stress that I get, it just increases tenfold right. because now I'm not just creating for fun. It's like, I have to create to survive and that right. changes the content that I have to make, which in turn makes it into something that's not fun to do. So and if it's not fun to do, it's not fun to watch for you either, you know? And if it's not, if you're not enjoying looking at your own content, then, you know, might be yeah. something wrong with the content. So, so the- like, yeah, the few times I've, I've even remotely thought of that or even like said to other creators or like announced on Twitter, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this content creation thing like full time. I've always ditched it like a week after being like, this is a terrible idea. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just going to backtrack. So do you see a future where you're entirely financially dependent on your art or do you feel like it's just best for you to keep it kind of at the level that it is? I know that's kind of a tough question, but yeah, for me personally, it's, it's like, if it just continues at the same level where I'm at right now, I'm perfectly fine with it because ultimately that's what I can control. I can't control if I suddenly, you know, an audience appears out of nowhere and I get all this like monetary gain from that. Um, But I can't expect that to happen either. Like that's just like no way to create, like no create with the expectation that you're going to have an audience. Um, But if it does happen, then it's just like, sure. I'll just, ride that wave if it does come but i'm not going to sit out there and wait for it absolutely i think it's a, an excellent mindset to have because there's only so many things in life you can control uh, mm-hmm. but you know it it's there's 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 reason behind that that saying uh, you know when life gives you lemons you make lemonade you see what what you got mm-hmm. and then you just control what you can control and then you know life is what you make it you 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 do what you can do and then whatever happens ends up happening none of us could really stop this pandemic from happening 
It just yeah. happened, you know, and now we just mm-hmm. have to deal with it. But like, you know, it, it is what you make it. It's it's, you know, just remember to, to keep the positives in mind and, and keep working towards, um, uh, you know, something something creative that you enjoy. And then basically, I feel like I feel like that's how you create the strongest creative mindset. Um, yeah, exactly. a lot of the people who have kind of burnt out. I feel like, like you were saying earlier, people who go in with the expectation of getting that um, numbers return or whatnot, whether the numbers mm-hmm. be fame or money or whatnot. So many people go in with that mindset and then most of the time they just, you know, they get burnt out super quickly. Um, and we talk and a I lot. I definitely about felt that too. Um, now that I think about burnouts, that kind of ties in around like the last year before I took my unannounced hiatus to go to school. Because around that last year of um, content creation of like 2016, like I was like just burnt out on YouTube as a whole. Right. Content create. It, it got to a point where it just like I, I even like noticed myself for just like man, like everything that I create is just like the same thing every month. Like of there's no growth. It just like just feels like I'm putting out a video, a yeah. song, and there's just, like nothing worse than for an artist to feel that they can't evolve their work even if they tried. That seems yeah. to be like an ultimate stab in the back. It's just, I can't get better. Like I, I locked in like one position. I can't, cause like I, I mm-hmm. one thing we, we've said a lot of this podcast is just the art kind of feels like you just constantly creating something that's a little bit better than what you created before or whatnot. And I think that's kind of the ideal position. Yeah. Um, and people who don't let their content evolve or whatnot, I think that's the people who start to struggle creatively the most is just people mm-hmm. who strive for the same or whatnot and youtube is kind of tough for that because people subscribe for a specific type of content exactly Um, so you know you see those trends quite frequently uh but you have to give appreciation towards the people who are able to evolve and keep you know audiences engaged in in the way or whatnot you know there are several channels from the dinosaur times that are still up and kicking making different Mm -hmm. kind of content to this day because they did some slight adjustment but basically Mm -hmm. it's very important to always leave room for your content to evolve essentially yeah exactly and there's a lot of those like old channels that are still sticking around today like having made those adjustments you still see the line that connects everything throughout them they Absolutely. haven't like gone through like some radical change that has like yeah. lost like most of their following we, we they... mentioned him earlier but you know like peanut butter gamer for an example um yeah his content has changed a little bit since when he like first started but there's mm-hmm. always this string of consistency that you see and i think that consistency is ultimately just his passion and yeah. like his, his passion remains in his videos when he's creating or whatnot. And that's the part you want to keep. You want to mm-hmm. keep the passion. And then uh, ultimately, you know, you t- one thing that's kind of great about YouTube is that it is a little bit more uh, personality specific. So yeah. if you're keeping the passion within yourself and being true to yourself inside that consistent form of content, a lot of people, even if they don't totally understand it, uh, are watching because of your personality or whatnot, you know, and that's kind of one of the mm-hmm. better things about YouTube. Obviously, there's some things that's not so great about YouTube, but um yeah, basically, uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said the the consistency that could be found in those channels. There's always that passion that you can still mm-hmm. see in regardless of what kind of video they're making. And yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, like that, that's what that's what ultimately those. like keeps the viewer engaged. Like if mm-hmm. you're into what you're creating, so as long as that's happening, then everything's all good. Definitely. Because I've seen I've seen different channels outside of gaming where it's the complete opposites where they've made those adjustments because of YouTube, but it's very clear that they don't even enjoy those. They would normally make exactly. Right. So, and those channels, like, unfortunately I've kind of like, you know, not doing as good or like crashing down completely. So it sucks to see, but yeah, 
there are different sides after all. Yeah, there are. I mean, and and you know, there's no there's no big guidebook. It's not like mm-hmm. you sign up your channel, they mail you a giant uh three thousand page book or something with just all like the rules and like by the way youtube's gonna change it before you know it so get yeah ready, so even know? even if that came out it would be outdated in the next week <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly by the time it reaches by the time it ships it's outdated and yeah. they have like a couple more amendments they need to add or whatnot yeah uh, but ultimately you know uh just create what you want to create and i feel like that's that's ultimately yeah. gonna, gonna have so much more longevity to it than um creating what you think people want to see because ultimately people do want to see what you want to create mm-hmm. uh, or at least they want to see what people want to create um you know audiences there are demographics and whatnot and people like certain type of videos but i feel like for the most part with youtube people subscribe to see the people and not mm-hmm. um and not the content created and i feel like that's what kind of divides the platform from other platforms a little bit at least like more traditional ones like uh cable and whatnot a mm-hmm. lot of times people come well even then you know actors have a big play i don't know um but yeah but stay true to your personality you know uh yeah, exactly and that kind of um, tie that kind of ties in back to the talk of me rebranding as well because that was just me you know focusing in and realizing it's just like you know what i'm just gonna do what I, whatever i want to do i don't care how boring it is right um because here's the thing about taking three years off the attention span of the internet is really, really short. It's lower than so, three years, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. someone like myself, if I just like outright disappear without a word for that long and come back, it's tough to say, but no one remembers who I am. So <laughs> if anything, that was like a blessing for me because like this is the perfect time for me to start over because I can do it without any yeah. guilt or qualms at all. Of course, yeah. Because it's literally I'm just starting over. Yeah, and for sure and so like um i don't want to get like super deep into the name change um i'm just curious from my own standpoint because uh like my my name is kind of in my channel but i uh with 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 zirachi with the name zirachi do you feel like the audience puts too many of their own ideas into what the like what zirachi means to them and whatnot and when you change it to Lorenzo, do you feel like it was just kind of a reminder to both the audiences and yourself that this is your work? Like you are the personality, you are the creator they're watching and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it goes both ways too, because like, even when I hear the name Zarachi, I associate it with, a, with, I associate that name with a character I was playing, not even myself. So, and, and, and also like the type of content that I was creating at a time. So it's just, it's all time fixed. It it doesn't really, you know, I don't really feel that connection to that anymore. So it was, it was really the disassociation with that, which played a big role in me wanting to just shift towards my name. The only reason why, like I'm still sticking with Zarachi as my social media tags right now is because I'm still think I'm still trying to think of of a tag that isn't long as hell because I have a long freaking name, dude. And this is just like, (laughs) if I just make my like Twitter tag Lorenzo Desicara, no one's going to remember how to spell that. That's true. It's true. Like, like I, I have firsthand experience. Like, <laughs> like from years ago. Like, like years ago. I, I, I need to find it again. Like, I have this long freaking chain of tweets of just like Starbucks, like coffee places, like fast food restaurants, just spelling my name wrong. And it's <laughs> hilarious. But it's all. It's also something that I have to accept too, because like I can't just you know make my social media tag my name. No, and it's not like I, you could I, just like easily change your name i I mean i guess you can but like 
you know, a name is nothing but a person behind it, you know? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you want people to know you as you, and, and Lorenzo is just a way to categorize that or whatnot, so. Mm-hmm. And um, if anything, it's also a way for people that knew me back in the day to find me again, so that's why it's like, it's not a complete shift yet, but I'm, it's like, I'm near the end of the transition, if you know what I mean. Just, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there, have you done like a lot of work before YouTube, like collaborating with other artists or whatnot who would know you by your name? Like oh, how yeah. much networking That's did you thing. do before YouTube? Um, like in terms of like the musicians that I played with back in the day, there's like that much that like knows me by name, but otherwise not too much. Like I, in terms of what's associated with my name, like I lived a pretty low profile life, even when I was committed to music full time. I'm just like playing in bands and all that. Like everything was always more associated with the band name itself that I was in, not my name personally. So if anything, yeah, there's that. All right. Well, um, we're actually reaching about the end of the clock here. So uh, I'm going to have like a little bit of a wrap up question then. Um, This kind of pertains a little bit to what I asked earlier about like, if there's something you would say to your other creators, but like to people out there who are watching and might be interested in like the music field specifically or whatnot, is there something you feel like they should know ultimately going in uh that might help their mindsets and help them thrive at least in their content at the at the very least so if there's any advice that i can give that to anyone that wants to get into this at all you really got to follow the old saying that content is king because you got to be able to provide some value to the viewer because you got to think from their end they're setting time aside to watch you and your content right so you gotta you gotta be able to make use of that time well don't go on long tangents for no reason you got to get to the point and you got to make that point big you just got to find that one thing you want to communicate to them and just roll with it i think that's great advice isolating exactly what you want to say and cutting out the filler you know just yeah what you say here it is and whatnot i think it's yeah. great advice all right. Well, uh, we're going to be wrapping up then. Um, thank you so much for joining. Um, is I know like the timeline's kind of weird about when this is coming out, but is there something you would like to mention about your your personal project, something that people might want to look out for, or just in general, where they should keep an eye out for your content? Yeah, for sure. So um, both Julia Henderson and I are have been uh, working on a lot of uh, personified music, like I mentioned earlier. Um, we're gearing it up towards to becoming an album eventually, but right now we're just we're just still making songs for it. So just keep an eye out on our social media platforms for that. On Twitter, I'm uh, Z- still Zarachi TV. So look out for that. Um, uh, and also, like I mentioned as well, I'm still working towards uh, re-releasing uh, a lot of my uh, old covers that are licensable onto digital music platforms. I I already uh, re-released and remastered a couple of anime covers that I did as just as a test to see how that would work out. So I did a Naruto cover of a uh, Naruto Shippuden cover of Distance and a Dragon Ball Z cover, Chala Head Chala. So and that seemed to work out pretty well and was released pretty fast, um, even after I submitted it. So yeah, just been working on a lot of music and a lot of videos as well on Julia Henderson's channel. So I would check gotcha. that out as well. And I assume a, a good way to find wherever you upload uh, Twitter, I assume is a, a decent place for that, right? Yeah. T- Twitter is my main stomping ground. Um, I also do Instagram as well Zarashi TV as well. Uh-huh. Who knows when I'm going to change my IDs eventually. <laughs> so you can still yeah. search up Lorenzo Desicara on Google and find all my stuff 
there if need be. But for now, still Zorachi TV until I figure something out that is catchy and not long. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me again. I really much appreciate it. Um, like I said, I've been watching since like 2015. So it's always awesome to meet creators who've been watching for a long time. Um, also, just people who've been on the scene for so long, you know, uh, if I were to grab people who just started this year, you know, it'd be a completely different conversation. Um, still an sure. interesting one, albeit, but yeah. like, uh, you know, it's, it's always new, nice. Yeah, because I don't really understand the perspective of someone just up and coming just right coming now. In. Yeah, because it's the, I come from like a different era of content creation. So, right, like, even course. that's something I'm curious about, like how how does it look when you're starting out in this definitely day and age? yeah that is an interesting conversation i should have that sometime just find yeah. someone who is just starting out bring them in just to see what their kind of perspective is or whatnot yeah i'd uh, watch that <laughs> but either way that's for another episode uh thank you guys for tuning in again if you want to check uh some of these uh things and more segmented topics you can always check them out on my main channel um and then i'll have more interviews coming in the future so stay tuned for that thank you so much for joining um and i will see you guys in the next episode so long